Welcome to this episode of Mystics and Skeptics. Now here's your host, Sybil. Hello, fellow humans. Hope you and yours are well, wherever you are. Today we have Brendan Kumaraswamy. Brendan's a professional communicator, teacher, and founder of Master Talk, where he coaches executives, corporations, and other people to improve their public speaking skills. Brendan, welcome to Mystics and Skeptics. Thanks for having me, Sybil. It's great to be on. So, Brendan, I'm excited to have you on this podcast because, you know, most of my guests, you know, we talk about um, their belief systems and religions and, you know, discuss and debate it. I think one aspect when it comes to religion, belief systems, spirituality, whatever word you want to use is communication, right? And that could be uh, reading, right? And interpreting, which is like reciting and being more introspective. The other aspect is listening, um, but also a large component of religion with most people is also speaking, you know, when it comes to religious leaders, whether you're giving a speech or, or preaching, or you're just a follower of a system, you're discussing it with other people, with your friends, family, colleagues, you're debating your beliefs, right, uh, with other people, or if you're proselytizing, which is a personal pet peeve of mine, but you know, that's, it requires good public speaking. Right? And um, so I wanted you to have you on the show and thank you so much for taking the time uh, on how you've mastered public speaking, because that's uh, a full disclosure. It's a weakness of mine. It's, you know, something I'm terrified <laughs> of doing. Uh, I think I'm trying to overcome it, like one by doing this podcast, but also, you know, um, who it doesn't have stage fright, right, or have nerves. And so any insight, wisdom you can offer would be great. But first, before we get into the nitty gritty, Brendan, can you tell us more about yourself, your background and how you came to uh, be a founder of MasterTalk? Yeah, for sure, Sybil, happy to. But before I do that, let me just start by saying that, you know, the fear of communication is a lot less worse than we think it is. So for example, in your case, you did something that most people wouldn't even do, which is to start the podcast. A lot of people, it's probably 90, 95% of people who are fearful of communication, but they don't press the button. They don't press record, right? So so kudos to you for, for doing that. So I don't think uh, your fear is as bad as you think it is. Thank you. Thanks. You're kind. <laughs> of course. Happy to. Happy to. So yeah, for, for me, Sybil, my, my story started when I was in university. So I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing, I don't know, baseball or basketball or some other sport that I guess strong men tend to play. I, I did the nerd version of that, which is presentations. So I did that competitively for a few years. And the way that I learned how to speak is I was coaching people who are younger than me, who were entering this competition program because we didn't really have a communication coach. I just said, oh, I might as well help them out with their speaking. And the goal was never to become a YouTuber or an entrepreneur or any of that stuff. My goal is to be a corporate gun. So I, I worked at IBM for a few years as a management consultant. But a few months before I started working at IBM, I had the idea for MasterTalk, the YouTube channel specifically, because I realized that everything that I was sharing on communication wasn't available for free on the internet. You hear advice like, oh, you should like be yourself or follow your dreams. And I was like, oh my God, this is not helping people. So I started making videos on communication. And now the mission is to help every human being on earth become a great speaker. When you were growing up, did you have uh, personal anxiety on public speaking? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm happy to dive into that. You know, I was born and raised in a city called Montreal in Canada. That's where I currently live right now. For those who don't know, Montreal is a city where you need to know how to speak French if you want to do well in it. So my parents looked at me when I was five years old, said Bill, and they said, hey, you need to go to French school, buddy, if you want to learn the language you can do well in whatever you want to do in life. And I, of course, was shocked because I didn't know the language. So my whole life, not only was I terrified with presentations like most of us are, I had the added difficulty of presenting in a language I did not know. So when I was in first or second grade, I would look up to the crowd and go, uh, bonjour. And that was my life growing up as a kid. So yeah, definitely had a lot of anxiety around communication in my earlier days. How did you um, venture into YouTube and starting sharing this? Like, what was the motivator of doing that? Absolutely. To, to keep things simple, Bill, I think the next Elon Musk is a seven-year-old girl who can't afford me, right? Who can't afford a communication coach. So what I always think about is the 15-year-old version of Elon Musk right now that nobody knows, that nobody believes in, that has no money, that wants to make a difference in the world. Who does that person have access to? And before me, the answer was nobody. If you go on YouTube and you type public speaking tips, you just find a bunch of old people like really old we're like 60 70 years old talking about communication like this so i was like wait a second well like you're great at communication why are you sharing communication tips but you're a bad communicator so it's not inspiring for people to share ideas to communicate them and that's what really pushed me to turn to a youtube channel so i was doing really well in my corporate job it wasn't for the money i just wanted that fulfillment because after i left university I, I kind of lost my sense of purpose because I wasn't doing case competitions anymore. It's like uh, when a professional athlete retires from their sport and they're done. Well, there's not much else to do. So that's why Master Talk initially started as a passion project. And I was just making videos. And the reason I just went with YouTube is because, well, uh, if, if somebody speaks well, and you want to learn speaking tips, you probably want to see their face and how they're applying the speaking. So that's why I chose YouTube. But once again, I never thought it would turn into what it is today. I was just making videos in my basement with the phone and then it eventually turned to what it is today. In terms of, you know, when it comes to say like religious, spiritual type of conversations or, or presentations, I, I think a lot of it, if, and I'd love your thoughts on this, is a lot about storytelling, right? I mean, do you have any thoughts or tips you can share on how people can improve their storytelling? Yeah, absolutely, Sibyl. And, and you know, the way I always think about, to your point, religion is very good at storytelling. That's why a lot of the religions, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Judaism, you can pick, pick anything, right? Hinduism, the, it, the storytelling is a key piece of how human beings remember ideas and remember, like, for example, the resurre resurrection of Jesus Christ, right, in Christianity, or, you know, I'm not going to be perfect at this, right, but as you go through the different religions, you have those types of stories. So the way that I view it is it depends what the outcome is. So I always start like that, is what is the goal of our communication? So if the goal with religion is to convert other people into our religion, it's important for us to always think about what is it, what is in it for the other person? What does the other person believe? Part of influence is figuring out what another person believes, why they believe what they believe, what's important to them, and then using the answers to those questions in the way that you communicate your ideas. Whereas I find a lot of the problems with debate in general is most people just jump statement, 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 statement. So there's a lot of animosity, a lot of aggression. 
versus going, let me spend some time understanding what you believe. And then the other person's shocked. Oh, do you actually want to understand what I think? And then that person becomes a lot more open to that. So that's one piece. The other piece is storytelling around religion as a concept. So when we think about pastors or rabbis or people who communicate the ideals of what they believe in, whether it's a god or multiple gods or any type of form, is the use storytelling so that the ideas become more stickier to the people that are listening to them. And that's another piece. So if you're someone who wants to amplify your own beliefs onto other people, you need to understand that communication plays a very vital role because it allows you to amplify what you believe to a larger group of people. I think uh, one of your trademarks is that you have five tips or five um, areas of public speaking you think people can um, should focus on to improve their skills. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, of course. There's probably hundreds of tips we can go into. How, how about we go through the three easiest ones? So those five tips are great, but let me give you a couple of easy ones to start us off with. So the first one is just intention. Okay, a lot of communication, to your point, Sibyl, is around stress and anxiety. Oh, my God, I have to give this presentation. But what we rarely focus on is the positive. So the question for everyone is this. How would the world change? How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? It's a question a lot of us don't even think to ask. Like, think about you. Let's say I was coaching you and we were, and we were on a call together. I would just say, imagine if you're 10 times, you're already great, Sibyl. Imagine if you're 10 times even better. Imagine how big this podcast would be, how your message would be bigger, how much more people would watch your stuff, and maybe you could build a business around if, if you, you haven't done it already, right? So we're, we're going through the possibilities together so that you have the motivation. Because the biggest challenge with communication is lack of accountability. And I'll give you an example. Let's say me and you are running a marathon together, okay, like a half marathon or something, and I'm lazy. I don't want to get up in the morning. I don't want to do it. But the reason I do is because you wake up at 4.30 a.m. You're knocking on my door and you're going, Brendan, we're going to go for a run because we need to run this race. And I go, oh, geez, I don't want to let her down. I need to make sure. So that at the marathon, you're probably going to get the gold medal and I'll probably get some participation ribbon, but I'll finish the race. Why? Because the accountability is there, but the goal is also very tangible, which is finish the race. This is how big the race is. But the challenge, Sibyl, is what does being a great speaker even mean, right? We don't really know, right? It's like followers, is it less pauses, more pauses? So because the goal isn't as tangible, the motivation to master it needs to be much higher. You need to have a reason why it's so important for you. So for me, it was case competitions growing up, but for you, it might be your podcast. So find that in turn, would be my first piece of advice. When you say, you know, accountability, do you recommend people who have, you know, uh, high anxiety in public speaking to find like a coach or a partner, like somebody who, uh, you know, a buddy system? Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's different levels of accountability depending on what your budget is or someone's budget is. So the first level is simply your friends and family. You could take a find two, three people that you really respect that really want to work on this skill and you're sharing videos with each other. You might take some tips that we learned today and just start applying with each other. Always be in movement, right? Whenever we want to work on a goal, the important thing is movement. It's not progress, it's actually movement. 
Because when we have movement, we have momentum. And then when we have momentum, we have results, right? So you want to just start that. Level two accountability is more when you invest a little bit of money. So that might be a Toastmasters group. Toastmasters is like a nonprofit around the world. You have clubs around the world and you find clubs of like-minded people. There's pe- there's a Toastmaster pretty much in every big city in the world. It's like, I think it's like 80, 100 bucks a year or something, depending on where you live. Not, not, a, not expensive at all. You find people, then you practice with them. And then level three accountability is for people who have a lot more budget. So let's say you're making over $100,000 a year and you care a lot more about your time than your money, right? You real Or the result of communication will generate you tens of thousands of dollars. So executive for a promotion, you're a CEO who wants to sell more businesses, Let's say you want to sell more, get more sales, or you're a coach who wants to sell your coaching business, just some examples. That makes sense to hire somebody like me as a coach, because let's say they might invest a few thousand, they'll get a result in three weeks instead of three years or five years. But either way, you can find a solution regardless of who you are. You know, when it comes to uh, issues you know, surrounding religion, if somebody's presenting on that, right? You know, sometimes you have people who are very thin-skinned, who can't handle any slight or criticism and get hypersensitive and you, you know where I'm going with this. Do you have any um, uh, advice on for speakers who um, want to address a topic, you know, like with religion or spirituality that, that might be deemed controversial? Absolutely. So I have very counterintuitive advice on the Sibyl. So for me, it always starts with how do you become better at communicating your own thoughts to yourself. That's what it starts with. Because if you're sensitive to contra, if you yourself as the human being are, are very sensitive or hypersensitive to anything, really, it's going to be really hard for you to, to do the latter. I'll give you a similar analogy and then I'll give you the tactic. Okay, the more you listen to the world, the better the world will listen back to you. So if you want to be a better listener or you want other people to listen to you, you have to get better at listening. Or else, why would anyone listen to you? So, so you're great at it. But I'm, so when I say you, I don't mean you. I mean in general. Is when when we become better listeners, people want to listen to us more. So if we create that space, if we're able to do that, just because we were empathetic, then it's going to be much easier for us to get the result. So same thing with being controversial. Since we're talking about belief systems, that's the theme of your show. There's a great quote by Alex Hermosi that he got from somebody else that I don't remember, but I'll just use Alex here as a placeholder. He says that when it comes to our beliefs, most belief systems we question except the ones that we don't think to question at all. And those are the beliefs that we should be questioning. So I know it's a bit of a play on words here, but essentially what he's saying is that the beliefs that we think should not be questioned at all in our lives are the ones we should actually spend a lot more time focusing on. So always think about what are some of the beliefs in your life that you think is 100% true. There's no way like in the world that these things could be wrong, right? And it's, it's those very beliefs that we must question. And the reason this is important from a communication standpoint is once we learn to question our own beliefs, like Peter Thiel is a great thinker on this, where when he gives, he's one of the few people in the world who does this, probably like, I probably count on my fingers, people out of the billions of people who do this, is when somebody asks him his opinion in a debate, he always does this. This is why this population believes this and why. This is why this population believes this and why. And here's why I think both of those people are wrong. It's super funny. But 
it's like a Venn diagram. Right. <laughs> it's amazing. But like, uh, and what's great about Peter is that he actually spends the time to listen to, oh, this is what, let's say religion. This is why Christianity believes what they believe. This is why Hinduism believes. Like he actually takes the time to learn their perspective. And then he goes, and this is what I believe based on all of these perspectives. And once we, ha- we work that muscle, it's not something we get overnight, right? We, we focus on one belief at a time. Then we become more empathetic to other people's point of view in general. Like, I don't judge anyone's religion, anyone's beliefs, even if minds are probably very different than most. But once I learn to accept other people's belief, it becomes much easier for me to communicate something controversial in a way that gets buy-in. But that's the general principle. Um, going back to, you know, we talked about accountability you know, and, um, you know, just prepping the speaker. I want to talk about confidence, right? Um, it's, it's, I don't think it's necessarily anxiety, but confidence, I think is a little bit different. You know, how can you project confidence, you know, and have presence, you know, to an audience so the audience can see, okay, this person knows what they're talking about. Absolutely. So I keep things really simple. I know some coaches recommend like power posing or drinking a glass of water. I feel that solves the symptom, not the core issue. Right. That, that's, that's the way I think about it. So for me, it's right. It's, yeah, I love that. I'm glad, I'm glad we're so such on the same page for, for such a show that's, that's high, highly based on debate. We're, we're seem to be agreeing pretty much all the time, which is hilarious. <laughs> My mind is open. There you go. We're opening the mind. I love this. this is great. So, so yeah, absolutely. So, so going back to this, right. When we think about, well, I just lost my train of thought. What was the question again? I don't know what just happened. Confidence. <laughs> yeah. Confidence. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. So, so the goal is, and this I got from Dan, Dan Henry to keep things simple. Competence leads to confidence. When you're more competent in what you're doing, you become more confident in what you're preaching, what you're sharing and what you believe in. So think about your first episode on this podcast. I'm sure we can both agree that this episode, you're a lot more confident than you were in the first one. Agree, disagree? Agreed. I love that. And now imagine 100 episodes from now. Do you feel you'll be more confident or less confident? I would say more. I'm pretty sure you will be, 100%. So, So that's the way I think about it too is... The way that you breed confidence is by doing the harder thing. Simple. So let's say you're scared of, oh, Brendan, I have this really bad meeting at work. Uh, My bosses are really, really tough. They're going to ask me hard questions. So my response is not jump up and down, drink a glass of water. You'll be just fine. No, 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 no. My response is always, okay, let's put you in a room with 10 people who are 10 times worse. And the only goal is to rip you apart in a meeting. And then when you walk out of that meeting, that's a simulation. And you go back into your real life meeting. You're like, wow, this is such a joke. Life is easy. So what's, what's the easy version of this to make it practical for, for the group who's listening? The practical thing, the easiest thing you can do is called the random word exercise. And I'm happy to demonstrate if you want. But basically what this is, quite simply, you pick a random word like phone or copper or camera, doesn't really matter. And you create presentations out of thin air. So literally somebody gives you a word, you give a presentation on it for 60 seconds. And what this does, Sibyl, is it increases your confidence because if you, could, if you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. And that's what we teach people to do. We have people do this exercise 100, 200 times so that when they go back into their boardrooms or their business situations, life is super easy for them. 
How do you feel about somebody who comes in with jeans, ripped up jeans and white t-shirt, you know, in front of a group of executives can still give an effective, impactful presentation? Mm, fascinating question. So as you can tell by looking at me, I definitely have an opinion on this because I'm not, I'm not in a suit for those who are listening. So, so of course, every, every context is different for sure, Sybil. There might be situations where you do need to show up in a suit and it's important. But there's a great co- quote that my coach taught me. He's a guy named Steve Hardison. He said, who you're being matters more than what you're doing or how you're doing it. So I'll repeat that again. Who you're being matters more than what you're doing or how you're doing it. So what that means, in other words, because it took me a while to digest this quote, but let me make it simple for the group, is your energy, your presence, the way you show up matters so much more than how you're showing up, than what you're actually doing in that meeting. So let's say I showed up to this and everything looked perfect. I had the great suit on, but I was a jerk. I was like, oh, yeah, I got like 45 minutes. You can't ask me this, 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 this. And a bunch, but I looked perfect. I had like all the right. You'd probably be like, oh, my God, this is going to be a track, right, versus how we're being, right? So that's what I would think about. Of course, there's context, but I would say the goal is to develop such a confidence that regardless whether they show up in jeans or PJs, that you show up with the same level of warmth, the same level of passion and energy. That's definitely the 80-20 that people should be focused on. One thing I have trouble with, Brendan, is um, sometimes my mind uh, works faster than my mouth. So, so I get, you know, you, you will hear me with a lot of filler words. Um, uh, it, uh, what, what can I do about this? What can our listeners do about this? who have the same issue. I love it. I love that. You're so open about it. You're like, look, Brad, this is a problem. How do I fix this? <laughs> I love how open your are. It's great. So, so let's break it down. I was like breaking things like a puzzle, right? If you, if you figure it, if it looks like a puzzle, you can solve it. Right. So let's solve it. So let's ask ourselves the first question. Why do we say filler words to begin with? Why does that even exist? Why do we go, um, uh, uh, you know, like maybe blah. So the answer is because we forget what we want to see next. So Sybil asked me a question. I go, uh, how do I answer this? I don't, I don't, uh, uh, oh, okay. This is what you should do. So I use filler words to buy time. But the difference is that the best speakers in the world say nothing to buy time. So let's say you ask me a question, instead of me going, uh, um, I'm not sure, I just do this. Ah, thanks for that, Seville. So here's how I'm thinking about this. So notice how I paused, I said nothing. So the way that you practice this, once again, I'm always a bigger, big fan of doing the harder thing. I call this, and I guarantee you less than 1% of people will do this, by the way. But if you're the 1% who does this, you're going to get the result that the 99% aren't willing to get, okay? It's easy. It's simple, but not easy, okay? So the exercise is this. It's called long stairs. So all you do, you pick somebody in your family, somebody in your house, if you live with somebody, doesn't matter who it is. Could be your kid, could be your significant other, nieces, nephews, pick. And the only exercise is you stare at them for three minutes without saying a word. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's it. You, you know, it's funny, Sybil, that you're laughing. I, can I blink? I can blink, right? You could blink. You could totally blink. Yeah, it's, this is not a staring contest. Like, it's not like you're, you, you just have to stare at them. No phones, nothing. You just, you just stare at them for three minutes. That's it. That is all. So it's simple. But most people are so 
they're so glued to their damn phone. They're so glued to every distraction that they can't keep a gaze for a really long period of time. And that's what the long stare allows you to do. But here's the punchline, Sybil. If you're comfortable, I know you're already scared thinking, but you're like, oh my God, how much? Yeah, I, I, so I pressure the people that I work with to do this. I actually make it much worse. I do five, 10 minutes sometimes with them. But the, the reason it's so effective is when you go back to two, three seconds, it's a joke. It's so easy. Like I could literally pause forever, like for 10 minutes, for five minutes and not make it feel awkward at all. I can just look at you, but obviously I won't do it today, right? But take my word for it. And that's, that's the way that you get rid of that. And then the other piece is the pacing, right? How do I slow down? Super simple. Uh, put it in your speech or give yourself an image to remind you to speak slowly. Okay. So there's two ways to do this, the easier way or the visual way, depending on who you are. So the first way is you write a speech for 60 seconds and you literally type the word slow in the speech. So as you're reading it, every time you see slow, oh, I have to slow down. I have to slow down. So you have to force yourself to practice it like training wheels on a bike. You have to force yourself to do this. And then the other way to do this is you could have like a nice cup of coffee and an image or like a mug that just says slow down. So that way, every time you look at the mug, you just go, oh, I need to slow down now. I need to slow down. So those are some mental cues that you can do. I need that, you know, because I do speak pretty quickly. And um, having those uh, reminders, like you said, right? It could be very subtle, you know. So typing slowly, you said, or having like a visual cue to remind me to slow down while I'm speaking. Right. So just to be just to be uh, clear on that, literally typing the word slow in the text. So we're literally typing the word. So let's say you have a speech. Uh, my, let's say you're doing the intro for your podcast. Hey, welcome to the blah, blah, blah show and mystics and all that stuff. You literally have the word slow, like typed all across your entire text. So as you're reading it, you have to you have to slow down because it says slow. Oh, that makes sense. Got it. Got it. Um, we, you touched upon it a bit, you know, on the Q&A portion, say, of a presentation, right, with an audience. And say you get a hostile question or a question where or a question that stumps you. Right. So this kind of segues to what we were just talking about. Um, is it OK to say, I don't know, uh, I'll get back to you? Uh, some people just babble, even if they don't know the answer, they you know, they'll make up an answer or just swing it, improvise, which can be more damaging in some cases. But what are your thoughts on questions like, how do you respond to one, uh, a challenging question and two, a question you just don't know anything about? Absolutely. So once again, symptom versus core issue, right? Oh, I can give you all these techniques to dodge questions and jump up and down like a kangaroo, but the, the, there's a core issue that we can fix, which is lack of preparation. Okay, so how do you fix lack of preparation? Think about this interview right now. How is it, except for one stumble early in this interview, where I, I, I don't know, my mind just went blank, is every time you ask me a question, notice how I automatically have the answer. Like I just know, and I'm super clear and concise about how I'm answering the question every time. That's not an accident. That's not because Nat Brendan is naturally gifted or any of that stuff, maybe a little bit, but it's not, it's not all of it for sure. It's an exercise called question drills. So when I started Master Talks, Bill, this is what I did with a group of friends, and they were vicious with me. And this is something, a principle I like to teach people, so it's, it's worth emphasizing. If you literally do just 10% of anything I say on a podcast, you'll get 100% of the result, okay? So you don't have to do everything. I just give you the, the extreme, and then just take the one or two things you like and do it. 
So question was really simple. I sat my friends down. I said, literally ask me any question you have about communication, public speaking. So they asked me hundreds of questions. Where does the fear of communication come from? I was like, uh, I don't know. Uh, how do you get rid of fillers? Uh, I don't know that either. And then they just kept asking me a bunch of questions until I had an answer for everything. So the trick is you want to ask yourself, what are 10 questions? Keep it simple for the audience. What are 10 questions that I feel my audience is going to ask me in my next interview? in my next presentation? And how can I preemptively figure out an answer to those questions? Simple. It's just, I take it to the extreme where I've asked myself so many, like I've probably been on like 500 podcasts at this point. Like people have asked me so many questions that it's very rare that somebody asked me a question I don't know the answer to anymore because no one's asking about my favorite fruit. No one's asking me about my favorite color. Right, because that's not my subject matter expertise. No one cares about that. They care about, okay, what's the communication knowledge that you're going to share? So same thing with the next idea in your presentation, reflect on that and make it fun. It doesn't need to be stressful. Have a pizza or vegetarian pizza if, if you're vegetarian listening to this and like enjoy, like have fun. What are 10 questions we can ask you? So, okay, let's have fun. And if you don't know the answer in that setting, great. Ask the person who asked you the question, hey, how would you answer this question? They go, oh, here's the answer. Oh, let me write that down and steal it. That's all. Point noted on preparation. I don't think you can over-prepare in some cases. Um, do you have any other uh, suggestions in terms of how people can calm their nerves before a presentation? Any breathing exercises, what have you? Absolutely. So, so once again, I, I guess maybe it's different speech coach will we'll, we'll give you an idea of how to breathe deeply and jump into your purpose. But the, the way I think about it is nerves will never go away. And I'll give you the perfect example. Think about me. Okay. I'm the so-called communication expert, you know, successful YouTube channel. I do well. I coach people on this. But if Elon Musk called me right now, Sybil, and said, hey, I need you to coach me tomorrow, I would shit my pants. Right? Like, Holy crap, I'd be nervous. I'd be worried. Oh my God, how am I supposed to coach Elon Musk? So all of us are scared of something related to communication. So I would say we need to reframe that. It's not about removing, because if we set that expectation, then, we're, then it's not going to help us. But instead, let's think of nerves like a boxing match. Okay. So let's say one ring of that boxing match is the nerves, the anxiety. Okay, I'm scared about this. I'm anxious about this. I'm stressed about all of these ideas. Oh, what are people going to think? The judgment, et cetera. And then the other side of the ring is the message. Why are we sharing it? Why is it important to people? Why am I so passionate about this? Why do I care about this? And the goal here, Sibyl, is not for the nerves to leave the ring or to remove it altogether, but rather make sure that when your message and your fear meet in the middle of that ring, that your message gets the knockout punch. So it's not about removing the nerves. It's about making sure that your message is proportionately more important than the nerves. I'll use you as an example, since everyone in the audience can relate to you as the host. Why did you choose to start your podcast? Were you nervous? Of course, right? You said it multiple times and I appreciate your openness. But why did you do it anyways? Because the message was so important that you pushed through it anyways. Same thing with me, by the way. I'm not here pretending I'm some like world-class expert. I started Talk when I was 22. Right? I was coaching CEOs at a, at a time when CEOs had worked longer in the company than I was alive. Who in the world am I to make videos 
on communication. But what I realized is I wasn't pressing record for the executive who could afford me. I was pressing record for the 15-year-old girl who couldn't. That's why I started Master Talk. It wasn't about, obviously, I love my client. They're great. But I didn't start Master Talk for that reason. I started it for that, for the 15-year-old girl. Who is that 15-year-old going to relate to besides me? Nobody else in their early 20s was posting videos. Obviously, I'm older now, but at the time when I started it, and that was my ethos. It wasn't about removing the nerves. Was I scared to coach the execs? Absolutely. Was I scared to coach all those people? Absolutely. But I was more scared of those 15-year-old girls never having access to the information in the first place. So I pressed record to avoid that pain. Yeah, when it comes to nervous energy, it's about using that energy to really motivate you and be an energetic speaker. So, Brendan, what is your advice for people who have speech impediments? Is that a hindrance from giving an effective presentation? Right. So let me comment on something similar that is similar to stutters, but not entirely. But I feel the analogy will help us get there. So let's think about accents. All right. So a lot lot of people come to me with, oh, Brendan, I have an Indian accent. People aren't going to like me. Oh, Brendan, I have a European accent. Pick any accent you want. I've, I've heard every single one. <laughs> Mongolian accent, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I have an accent. What will people think of me? And I always ask this question. Let's say there's a group of 10 people. And I just ask bluntly to the other nine people, who cares about this person's accent? Raise your hand. Do you care? And then nobody raised their hand. And then I go to the next person with an accent. Does anyone care that this person has an accent? Nobody raises their head. And then I just do it with all 10 and nobody raises their head. And then I just ask a question. So why do we care? Why do we care so much about our own accents? Accent is a mindset. Okay. If we think about a bunch of, think about Jack Ma, right? The founder of Alibaba. He's a billionaire. He has the thick, he has such a, his English is actually better than most native Chinese people in, in, in that country. But it's, it's arguable that the guy has an accent, but do people care, right? The answer is no, they don't care, right? But the, but the point is, why should we? And that's the point, is as speakers, we are mirrors. We are mirrors. So if we feel insecure, if we feel stressed about our accents, so will our audience. So think about me. I'm this 25-year-old kid, just to be quite bluntly. I live in my mother's basement, and I coach C-suite level executives like a bunch of them, like not one, like I got a bunch of them. So yes, if I felt that insecurities I'm speaking to, oh my God, like, who am I? Why am I here? But the other piece as well, it's not some mindset shift, some motivational message I'll share. The reason I can speak with such confidence, let's say on this podcast as an example, despite being 25 and coaching all these people, is who have access to all this stuff is not because, oh, I, I went into myself, I found some motivation. No, it's because I've coached 400 people on how to speak, right? It's not like a confidence thing. It's a competent thing. Like because I've done it over and over and I've gotten results, it's easier for us to transition into a place you're comfortable with. So what's the message here, Sibyl? The message here is start with the people you're comfortable serving first, I didn't start with a thousand people or whatever the count is right now on my YouTube channel. I started with one. 
I started with the person I was more comfortable with, which was a seven-year-old girl, to be frank. I was doing pro bono work for like 90-year-olds and I still do it. And then I did it with people my own age. And then I did it with people older than me. Then I did it seniors, then managers. Then it just went way all the way up to the top. And that's the same thing with accents. If you have an accent right now and you're worried about it, I, I want you to think about the specific easy question, which is who is someone that has the same accent as you that is a hundred times more successful than you? So write that down to a piece of paper. And then once you have the right name down, just ask yourself a simple follow-up. Do you care about their accent? And the answer is always no. So when you get to that conclusion, just ask yourself, why should you care about yours? Tell us about MasterTalk, the services MasterTalk uh, provides to clients and how, if listeners wanted to get in touch with you or uh, leverage MasterTalk for themselves, what's the best way? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, it's such, such a pleasure to have this conversation with you. It's so much fun. And there's two ways to stay in touch. Super easy. Number one, go to the YouTube channel. It's called Master Talk. You get hundreds of free videos to learn how to speak. You know, my mission is really to share all that info for free. So check it out. And if you're interested in coaching, check out my free interactive live trainings over Zoom. So I coach people for free on a Zoom call every few weeks. And if you want to register for that, it's absolutely free, no strings. It's Rockstar Communicator. Dot com and you'll have all the details there. Brendan, it was a pleasure speaking with you. And um, I know I'm, I've taken some tips away from this conversation. And I really want to thank you for the service that you provide. Thank you, Brendan. You're doing good. Everyone, that was Brendan Kumaraswamy. And for our listeners, thank you for listening to Mystics and Skeptics. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on Amazon Music, Spotify, Patreon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and stay in peace, everyone.